time that passes and it tells us what we're left with We become the things we do Me, I'm a fool spent from defiance Yeah, you got me, but I didn't give up on you Icarus is not a t-shirt Oh, a swan song, no He is born again And it's not easy being me But I can't promise I will mend Or bend when you believe That we are fixed now from our birth And not just falling back to earth Still you know I'll try again Cause I believe that we are lucky We are golden, we are stolen And it's in the days when we were one So when I see you Spider-Man There's no easy way It gets harder each day Please love me 
Dude up. Dude. Up. Live. Live from the Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood. This. This is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It is strongly addictive. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Hello, everybody. My name is Sean Astin. Wow. We're at the new studio. The Toad Hop Network here at Hollywood Boulevard in La Brea. No stalkers allowed. Uh, <laughs> at least at Universal, you're like, you know, you have to pass some sort of a security. No, there's very strong security down here. They were very nice. I'm pretty sure the person recognized me when they let me through. The uh, It's such a new vibe. It's a really interesting. We've got glass behind us. We had a little glass, but this is like bright and open and airy. I feel very, I don't know. Do you feel funky? How do you feel? You love it? They seem to have good energy in there. All right. Well, Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. I might have to change the title of the show because we're 80-something days away from the election now. That's the presidential election here in the United States of America. Um, starring the challenger, Governor Mitt Romney, and the reigning actual guy in office, President Obama. Um, and so people are starting to pay closer attention. I'm noticing that the uh, Daily Show and the uh, Colbert Report are getting uh, even more feisty and responsive to what's happening. Not that they aren't always, but um, the news shows, are, there's, there's more uh, – the ads that are coming out are a little bit more aggressive, a lot more aggressive in some cases. I get the sense a lot of times that we don't see in the national consuming of news – is that the right way to say that? As a, as a consumer of national news, I get the feeling I don't see anywhere near the disgusting ads that run. I mean, they'll pick out one that's really, you know, there's something that they can run over and over and over and over again. So, you, you know, like if something's really bad, you're going to see it. But on a, on a day-to-day level, I think the, the kind of ground-pounding uh, campaigning that happens um, and the and the local ads that get taken out are seen as boring by the national media establishment, and yet they're probably more corrosive than um, than most. Let me put it out here: three two three six two two eight six two three. Is that the same number as before? Different number, ladies and gentlemen. We have an announcement to make here on the Tone Hop Network. The new call-in number. So if we don't get any calls in it, like, well, they didn't have the new number. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to this as an iTunes podcast. It might be meaningful for you to know the phone number that you missed calling. 323-622-8623. And the way I remember it is by looking at it right here. 323-622-8623. Give me a call. We have a new phone system. Uh, I, I, was, I finally had mastered the analog insanity of the other, uh, of the other studio. And now we're in a digital world, so I have to point and click. Uh, so bear with me if... How can I tell? You'll, you'll let me know if somebody... Will you know if somebody's calling through? I'll be the only one knowing. I'll the, I'm the only... I can't talk today. I'm the on, I'll be the only one knowing. It's like I'm from Alabama. I was just in Alabama. I'll be the only one... Um, I want to say a thing at the top of the show of thanks, of gratitude to the at uh, Sean Astin Twitter followers and the at... Uh, Vox at host Vox Populi is that my at host Vox Populi followers? I don't think I also have a poetry club. Don't laugh. Don't you have to some okay? You see what happens? I knew he was gonna laugh before. And he's like a guy. They can't even see you, can they? Stinks. Um, okay, so what we did was we had a little fundraiser for the show. I want to like hire a professional political producer at least part time. Somebody can come in and help me book like, you know, it just takes time. Everything takes time and energy and somebody to help me prep. You know, I mean, you guys are so good with it. But I, I want I want a political pro to help me make, you know, take the show from a fun uh, personality opportunity for me and, and uh, the, the, the brave few who call in to, you know, tiptoe with their opinions out there and my, my few loyals who, uh, who I can always count on to come up with great research and and uh, and really have a point of view and make the conversations good. I, I want to take the show to the next level where we're doing 
segments. You know, we're going to do seven minutes with this political figure. We're going to do, you know, eight minutes with this person, and we can kind of keep the show exciting. That's my vision for the show, and it costs money. There's some other technology things that we, that I want to uh, spend money on. For example, um, some remote technology, digital recorders, and maybe even a digital, uh, you know, broadcasting. Because I think here in the new studio, before too long, we're going to have the ability to play video that we can also hear. Wow. Play video we can also hear. Sexy. So run a YouTube clip and go, what did y'all think of that? Um, anyway, I've been looking forward to that. So so that kind of technology and there's some other other kind of stuff, administrative things I want to – I want the show to pay for. I want it to be a, uh, a, 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 a an energy-neutral experience, this show. So um, we did it. I have these the rubber bands. Oh, my gosh. I didn't bring a wristband. Oh, you have one. Did Gint give you that? That's from way back when? Wow. That is just blood loyal right there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm holding up here for the camera to see. These are uh, the kind of Lance Armstrong style wristbands. Wait, first let's go with Vox Popular. Uh, they're in patriotic colors. There it is. Uh, Vox. I can't tell what that one thing is. Is that good? Uh-huh. Oh, there it is. Vox. Wow. Am I just like challenged? Hey, come on. There it is. Vox Populi. On the one side, and on the other side, Civil Discourse, which is our Ballywick here at the show. And um, I was saying that, here you go, give it back. Thank you so much for keeping it on. Um, for $20 through PayPal, if you go to uh, at uh, voxpopuliradio.com, um, you, can, you can become a friend of the show. Which I, I love. I love that phrase. Um, everyone who listens is a friend of the show, as far as I'm concerned, even if they're screaming at it. Um, and I also sent a uh, a pick. It was a, it was a kind of a loose pick taken from outside the studio at the old place, and it was for. And you see the uh, my busted old sign, not busted, but my my wonderful poster backdrop that we could never get to stand up right. That's kind of like looking okay in the background, and uh, and and uh, it's it's the first show. So I kind of signed that to people for $20. And I, I just did a kind of Twitter campaign, lost about 150 followers. I have like 40,000, 41,200 40, I don't know. I have a lot of followers, and, and I just was watching it kind of as a public opinion poll. You know, like if you're asking people for stuff, you know, the point at which they can't even stand it enough just to scroll past it. <laughs> They're going to unclick you. They're going to unfollow you. So I lost about 150, 200. But we, I, I sold uh, – we, we, we made about $1,000. We made about $1,000. I bought uh, initially 500 wristbands that we – I thought we'd, thought we'd move for um, 20 bucks a, a band and picture. The pictures, we got 500 pictures. And we, you know, we figured what we'd take away after shipping and all that kind of stuff would be enough to hire the person at least part-time that we want and get all that stuff. So we still got a long, long way to go there. So that money will just be sitting there for a little while. Um, but it was really cool of the people who jumped in, and, and people are fun. You know, they're like, "All right, I'll buy a wristband from you if you tell me what it was like on the set of Goonies." You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you're like, "Right on." I'm like, uh, you know what I did? I actually d direct messaged. I said, "If you within this two-hour window, if you sign up and and get." A wristband, become a friend of the show in the next two hours. I will follow you back on Twitter and direct, and so that you can direct message me, and we can direct message back and forth, whatever you want to talk about. And I think probably I got about thirty people like that. I don't know, not that many, maybe like eight people. But and they're direct, they popped up with direct messages. And you know, your your initial fear is that it's going to be terrible. You know, that it's going to be, you know, people who are inappropriate or something. But everybody was really polite and courteous and had legit questions and I enjoyed interacting with them. We didn't really interact too much, but um, but that was that. So it was a fun little marketing thing. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who participated and to anybody who's listening. I would really appreciate it if you go to um, voxpopuliradio.com and become a friend of the show. Um, and then once you've you know spent 20 bucks and you feel good about it, invested 20 bucks and feel good about it, uh, call into the show. Share your opinions. Don't be, don't be afraid. Please, people listening to the show, please. Uh, I think most of the, the people who... Uh, participate with this show are doing so um, after the fact, but there are a number of people who uh, consider it appointment listening. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I appreciate that since I'm showing up here, that you're showing up here, but uh, I would love it if those of you who are listening right now, you know, make the, uh, is that, okay, 
Will you just point to me where on the screen I'm supposed to look so that I don't miss it? Will it just pop up in the middle? Oh, okay, then never mind. I'm good. If it just pops up, that's good. Um, what do you think? Oh, new, new, new radio station. Okay, so the thing that uh, – so please, 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 everyone. The, the idea – you know, I've got the flag behind me in the logo and it's got a Latin name partially, Vox Populi, and, I'm ta- and I've asked people to be courteous to each other. So all of a sudden when people aren't speaking from a place of anger, you know, I can't stand the way this person is doing something. This is just outrageous. You know what? He's the worst president we've ever had. If they elect that governor, the country's going to go to hell in a handbasket. If they, you know, once you kind of say like, hey, that's that's like, let's not do that in this space. Let's let's talk about like, you know, Ryan's budget that he uh, worked hard to get a lot of public support for uh, and is now uh, is on display in the presidential campaign. You know, the joke is that none of the um, news networks can actually figure out how to talk substantively about it. Like they want to. They're like, wow, Romney's picked a real guy, a real guy who is uh, smart on the issues, really accomplished, even though he's only 42. If he became, if he became president, like in his mid 40s, that would be would be really interesting. How old was Clinton? Got to be late 40s, right? Like 47 or something. You're going to Google it? He was, was he the youngest or was Kennedy the youngest? Kennedy was the youngest and he was like 19? No. Um, <laughs> so um, – so, and then all the news did for days was talk about the PX90 or whatever it's called that, uh, that Ryan did, which by the way, having started to do the insanity workout is impossible. And I saw my chiropractor the other day and he was like, I don't recommend that. What do they call it? They call it uh, plyometrics. It's like, yeah, plyometrics are okay, but at a certain age. And he looked at me. So, like, I'm watching the news, and instead of thinking of like, you know, what is Ryan? What was the Ryan kind of titled Republican budget going to mean for healthcare? Like specifically, I'm thinking. I don't know if I could do that Aberdeen. <laughs> on that, you know, I don't know if. Uh, you know, I don't know if I could. And then, and so, so anyhow, at some point soon, people are going to start to talk about it in ways that we can get our head around. And this show, which, by the way, I want to make an announcement about the show. I talked to Frank Army, the uh, the captain of the ship here at Toad Hop, and we're going to go back to two hours starting next week because I've actually been talking to a lot of different people about interviews, and and there's some good stuff coming up, and we're just going to need more time. So we're going back to two hours. In uh, the sev- by then, what the seventy something day run up to election twenty twelve, um, but again, e- even now, even today, and uh, and going forward, I would love for people to know that there is. It's really okay to ask a question, like just to call in. You can a- call and ask a question, and I, you know, the odds of me having the answer, are like you know, sixty forty. I'll let you guess which one, which way it goes. 60, I know it. 60, don't know it. But it doesn't matter because people, you know, it's like in college when you uh, were in a class and nobody wanted to be the first guy to raise their hand. And, I mean, we have callers in, but I, I just want – I know what the numbers are. I know we have a few thousand people listening each week at least. In a couple of weeks it was lower, a couple of weeks a little higher, but that's what Frank – told me the numbers were, the combination of who was listening live and who. So, all right, you, a couple thousand people who are listening to this broadcast, this is your show. This is your opportunity. You know, please be, you're not, it's not like drive time where you're in traffic. Maybe it is. Can they listen in the car live on their phone, through their phone, through their iTunes podcast thing? Just through the website. Through the website. Oh, they can just go on their phone, Safari, Toadhopnetwork.com uh, Toad and just uh, and it'll just start feeding live and you can plug that into your auxiliary jack and you can be sitting in traffic and listening to the the dulcet tones of Mikey from the Goonies <laughs> talking about did I ever talk about yet on the show that Jeff Cohen who played Chunk became the student body president at UC Berkeley it's true true he's a lawyer now he did that and he did it by passing out lollipops 
with little ribbons on them that said, Chunk for press. <laughs> Rat! Why didn't I think of that in my eighth grade year? Uh, I told the whole story about that on one of the other shows. But anyhow, um, so please, 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 I just want to make a plea that you know, any, some clever person can grab out of the show and put on YouTube or something like that, which is to say – if you're thinking about it, if it's a question that occurs to you, use a false name at first if you want. I don't care. And just call in and ask it because I really – my whole vision for this show, for the show that I had in my mind for years and years – actually, you know what? I should share what my vision for this show was because for like 20 years ago. But I don't want to do that. How, how long are we – I, I want to play finally – you got two minutes? All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to listen to Admiral Foyle. Finally, the uh, the interview that I've had banked for three weeks or a month or something. Uh, great conversation with a great um, ambassador for democracy uh, and professional athlete, loved by many. Uh, so we'll play that in a minute. But I'll just lay out my vision. My vision was to find a space. It wasn't actually just for a radio show, and I was calling it Civic Duty. And everybody was saying Civic Duty, like <laughs> you're going to make a you make a going number two joke? No, duty. And if you say it too kind of properly, civic duty. You must do your civic duty. Like maybe in a mall or someplace where you could walk in, pay like a cover charge, and there would be several different, different activities that you could participate in that were designed to help you become a better citizen. For example, um, the, um, the debate forum. So you have kind of like you know a small space, smaller than this room here, a small space where there's two podiums or three or whatever, uh, surrounded by little seats, and then two or three judges, you know, or maybe three judges or five judges, somebody who can break a tie, and uh, who have like rules that they have to follow, and then there's rule debate rules, but people could come in there and they could pick a topic and they could just do debating, and anybody in the mall could be like, you know what, I'm going to go sit in and watch somebody debate. I, I saw on my uh, smartphone that they're, gonna, they're going for uh, you know, uh, 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 reproductive rights debate. Let's, let, I want to I see that. So they, they pop in there, and you can get certain people. You know, that kid from you know, Emerson High is like unbelievable, and he's going to be debating at four. So people like – they'll be shopping and stuff, and then they'll go there, and they'll watch it. And, and, but, but then you have these cubicles kind of satellite cubicles where people could go in and they could uh, they can do research, kind of like the internet but somehow have the uh, software designed to help it make it easier for people to start getting into preparing themselves for that argument. Uh, you know, list the pros and cons, the tr normal pros and cons, like, and then have them go out and debate and then get creamed and go back in there and do better research. And, and then another one where you could go into a booth and you could stand up and there's a, a, a screen and you can pick um, the mall on Washington in 1960, in 1960 when Kennedy gave his inauguration, if that was the date, uh, or uh, any setting where big speeches are done. And then you could orate at your microphone and based on I don't know. Either you could read the transcript of the Gettysburg Address or you could, you could write your own thing and read it. But there would be you know, maybe an engineer or somebody on the other side, you know, someone who's, who's there to work it so that you could get booze or a heckler or you could get a big cheer, you know, thing of like, yeah, that's great. And you could feel what it's like. And then, and then like another area we could do TV style interviews, something where the common person could go in and feel less intimidated by the way they are presented issues through speeches that they see on television, through ads that they see. Like you're a citizen. You have every right to go to a town hall forum, to go to a candidate appearance, to go to any one of a number of settings and stand up and raise your hand and, and not have everyone in the audience heart sink. Because they're like, this guy's now going to like pontificate. This person's now going to bloviate. This person uh, is going to just hijack. We've got this important uh, elected official here or this important business person or this important artist or whoever it is here to talk to us, an author, and, this, and, and somebody, a nice person who doesn't have any other form really to uh, you know, express themselves, come here and hijacks the room for everybody because they, they sort of don't get the premise. 
They don't get the premise of that space. And they also don't have opportunity. To, oh, and like the speaker's corner thing, which I kind of tried to do at the beginning of this show. But some place where you could, you could stand up on a box or something like that, maybe even design it, you know, the, uh, the aesthetics of it. So it's a soapbox or something. And you're up there. And, you know, maybe, you know, it's in glass and people could come up and they could on the outside, they could listen, they could hold it up and listen to what the, the guy who's yelling off his soapbox is saying if they want to. And then they can put it down and walk away. So he's not actually bothering anybody or interrupting the commercial space of the, of the – do you see what I'm saying? I want to make being a citizen of this country a – not just about your one vote. I want to make – and so what it really requires is imagine you were walking off the street – uh, into that space that I just described and you know you're hesitant and you're looking and you notice a lot of the ways I set it up it was so that people wouldn't feel embarrassed about things and so you know by the time you engage that space you you feel confident about you know your chances of succeeding or being embarrassed um, kind of like kind of like political karaoke I guess one more. <laughs> um, but uh, but that please y'all um you know, Ryan was uh, picked. That's the news of the week. If you want to talk about that, if you think he's um, – if you've got a strong opinion, don't be afraid to call into this show. Call into the show and make your strong opinion heard. I'm just going to say don't curse. And if you say something really strident, I might say, I might say, is it just an instinct you have or is there some specific reason you feel that way? That's it. That's the hardest it will get for you. So we're going to go to commercial. We'll play the Admiral Foyle interview when we get back. But pretty please become a more engaged citizen of this country. That's true for me and everyone. And use this show as a tool. And I'll help you. And in so doing, you'll help me or vice versa. Toad Hop Network, Vox Populi. The Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Saturday night, August 25th. It's the hottest party to hit the West Valley since, well, ever. Heidi and Frank, after hours, live at the Canyon Club. You're doing shows out in the garage? This is classy. <laughs> See Heidi, Frank, Smees, and their cast of characters doing their live stage show. You know I mean? There's nothing like watching water run down this body. <laughs> Plus, the tasty thieves will rock the house. Heidi and Frank, after hours, live at the Canyon Club. Saturday night, August 25th. Doors open at 6, show starts at 7. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster or CanyonClub.net. On the other side of the street I knew, stood a girl that looked like you. I guess that's deja vu, but I thought this can't be true, cause you moved to West L.A. or New York or Santa Fe or wherever to get away from me.
other side of the street I knew Stood a girl that looked like you I guess that's deja vu But I felt nothing of my sleeve But love for you And a little time to get my head together too On the other side of the street I knew Stood a girl that looked like you I guess that's deja vu But I thought this can't be true Cause oh, I Soda Stream Soda Maker is fun as hell. The kids are going to love it. There's 50 different flavors, and it's healthy. There's no fructose, corn syrup, or aspartame. So pick one up at Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, Macy's, Kohl's, and Walmart. Or just go to Soda Stream. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Welcome back to Vox Populi, the voice of the occasionally interested people. Hey, we're back. Sean Astin, the Toad Hop Network, Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. We're going to go down to an interview that I did, that I conducted, um, a phone call that I had with uh, Admiral Foyle a few weeks ago. Um, what, a, what a privilege. The reason I called him or the reason we got on the phone was because somebody in um, – at host Vox Populi on Twitter uh, saw the, the – the topic that I was going for, which was actually at that point um, uh, election law. I did my three-part series in election law, which had very little to do with election law and a lot to do with other things. So, um, woo, host ding. But anyhow, uh, somebody said, hey, you really got to talk to Admiral Foyle. He does all this great stuff. And so I looked him up and thought, wow, he really does. And uh, we tweeted each other, and he was really kind to let me call him. And um, and so we're going to play it now. Admiral Foyle, for those of you who don't know, was born in uh, – in the year of our Lord, 1975, uh, I talk about that a little with him, so I'll sort of skip over that. He played um, – uh, he was the eighth uh, selection. He went with the Golden State Warriors in 1997 in the NBA draft. And uh, he played for the Magic, 2008-9. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, in 2008-9, he finally went under the, the Grizzlies. Anyhow, I'm terrible at NBA careers uh, and explaining if I, unless it's like you know, somebody who's you know, Jordan or – Kobe or something like that. So I'm, I'm uh, as much as I love sports and I do, I'm like grabbing onto people's career stats is hard for me. But anyhow, he was a, a beloved member of the uh, Orlando Magic. And um, uh, what else can I tell you about him before we – he went to uh, Colgate University. You know, we actually talk about this stuff. Uh, he, he graduated magna cum laude with a history degree, politically motivated. He founded the organization Democracy Matters, uh, which tries to uh, – tries to to mitigate the adverse effect of mo- money on politics. Uh, so really interesting. So he was getting at kind of election uh, law, um, not from not from the vantage point I was wanting to look at it, which is like you know stuffing ballot boxes and dead people voting and that kind of stuff, or you know decisions that get made to uh, in the in in the by you know judges that purge voter rolls and that kind of stuff. But he was sort of getting at it from more of a like what's influencing. What's stifling um, uh, people becoming active, particularly young people? Um, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play it. I haven't pushed this button yet on this particular network. Hopefully it works. Um, Admiral Foyle and Sean uh, Aston, here you go. We're going to try and run some Admiral Foyle pictures. I sort of can't seem to find those on our little hard drive, but we'll find those. Okay, everybody, here you go. Admiral Foyle. I want to make sure it's loud enough. Here it comes. Hello, is this Mr. Foyle, I presume? <laughs> yes, this is me. How are you, man? It's Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you doing, man? Uh, it's another beautiful day. Yes, it is. I, uh, I just got I'm in. I'm up from... in the Bay, so yeah. Wait, where are you going? I said I'm up in the Bay Area, so it is beautiful up here. Ah, nice. Now, is this the best number to talk to you on, or is there a, is there a, does there happen to be a landline near you? 
Uh, this is um, this is fine. People is what we like to say, and um, thank you for for being willing to pick up the phone and and talk to me, even though you don't. I, I don't think you know very much about the show yet. <laughs> I know I don't, but it was such a curious topic and uh, one that I'm very passionate about, and uh, I was kind of happy to do it. Well, you were not born. You were born in how do I say it? Canawan, Saint Vincent, in the Grenadines. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was Canawan. Uh, it's uh, the country of Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, you know, we have a population there of about 120,000 people. But the island uh, that I grew up on is called Canawan, and that had about five to six hundred people. So it's very small. Uh, I think. Maybe you've played in front of more people than our citizens <laughs> played basketball in front of more people or citizens of your your nation. Uh, what co what color is the flag? What color is the uh, is the flag of Stephen? It's uh, blue, gold, and green with a V of diamonds. Uh, so it's um, and that the diamonds uh, stand for the stars that you can see from there. Yeah, so the V is for the Vincentian and vegetation. So, um, but it's uh, yeah, blue, gold, and green. And what is the government structure in uh, in St. Vincent? Well, we more of, uh, it's a false passport. It's based in the British system. Uh, we're a former British colony. Um, we gained our independence, I think it was 79. And, you know, I always tell people that, you know, you know that you have to be involved in politics in the Caribbean because you literally can lose an election. The last election was decided. The country is divided into 15 constituencies. Um, and uh, each constituency represents uh, have a party that represents that constituency, uh, that, that constituents, and um, and then basically you can lose an election by one vote because it's first past the post. Literally, all you need is a majority, not a not a plural majority, it's a majority. So you can win literally by one vote. So people are very very active politically. As you are, can they, assume, are they fair? Yeah. Is there is there corruption or are those elections? I mean, one vote margin is be very easy to uh, to cheat. Yeah, we've heard uh, that there is definitely corruption. Um, there's, uh, you know, we would like to say that for the most part, uh, people are very involved. But um, to say that it's without corruption would be would be a definite lie. Um, I'm sure there there is some, and we have there was reports from the last election that there was some. But by and large, people do get involved and know uh, and know what's going on. All right, so so you're, you moved to the United States when you were 15, right? And and yep. that, okay, so and you were you you attended Colgate University and and you were adopted by professors at Colgate. You know, I've been, I've been looking at your your biography, and it's just uh, it's just amazing to see your journey, how you uh, how you developed as a as a person and as an athlete and and as a uh, did you do you have American citizenship? Are you are you um, yes. Uh, I finally did after after many years, several years. I finally did get my American citizenship. While you were still in the NBA, or after? While I was in the NBA, yes. Wow! Did was uh, you know? I wish I would have. I would have been uh, following the uh, the mat. Was it when you were with the Magic? Was it in like? I, yeah, I actually got it on um, my last few years of Golden State. Actually, before I went to Orlando, yeah. Was there a ceremony? Did people uh, were were your fans? Uh, excited to hear about it, or was it more of a, a quiet thing? It was awesome. I think the kids were, because uh, my foundation, Democracy Matters, we had, uh, we were dealing with campaign finance reform way before it became a big ish issue, and a lot of those kids were very excited because, you know, I was, um, I started a foundation and was seven years into it before I actually got my citizenship um, promoting uh, good governance uh, and good government. And uh, so those kids were much more happy about it uh, at the time. It's very, uh, it's it's practical, but it's also very symbolic. Um, you know, you, you, could, you can't run for president, but you could be a congressman if you wanted to or a senator, right? I know that's been uh, that's been the thing. most of the kids in our program has been asking for that, but I told them that it's it's for their it's their opportunities to go and make a difference. So, um, so I bring democracy to them. Well, uh, you, I am so grateful to have you on the show today because uh, you are the perfect person. The per the most perfect person I could think of to share your insights about the way that uh, American elections are held and and what's uh, what's right about them, what you like about them, and what you think um, 
And, and, and what's not? I mean, and why you founded your organization? You know, Democracy Matters is such a great title for an organization. It's my whole, my whole life. I sort of believe that, you know. And, and I want to hear. Um, so, so just so the new, just so the listeners who who aren't familiar with you, you were. Uh, a, 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 I would say, are you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Are you in the Hall of Fame yet? You got to be in the Hall of Fame. I wish, but I probably doubt it. Oh, <laughs> uh, if I could vote, you know what? I would rig that election. That's one election I would want to. No, you were a a, a world class uh, athlete, uh, NBA superstar. First with the, um, I think with the Magic, and then with the Grizzlies, right? And then with this. Uh, so yeah, so we had um, we start with um, here in the Bay Area, Golden State, then um, Orlando, then uh, about uh, ten days with the Grizzlies. Ah, a yeah. good a good ten days. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the magic finally got uh, smart and made sure they didn't lose you. Is is what what happened there? And you you uh, you averaged. Uh, it says and you tell me if this is right. Your career average in points was like four point one points a game, one point six blocks per game. Finished among the ten highest players in blocks per game three times in your career. I mean, the, these are uh, these are pretty. These are statistics that are hard won on the, uh, the 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 hard floor, the battle the battlefield of the of the the hardwood. Indeed, you know, it was it was actually an amazing journey playing at that level uh, for 13 years, and um, you know, being being among the the top 450 best players in the world has been an extraordinary journey. One that I think has has given me a different perspective, and given me the opportunity, obviously, to do things like um, you know, song um, and form Democracy Matters and uh, the Kerosene Lamp Foundation. So it's been a it's been an extraordinary um, journey. All right. So, you, when, what year did you form uh, Democracy Matters? Were you still uh, at the at the peak of your professional career, or was it after? It was actually my second year in the league, which was which was a little <laughs> insane. But I wanted uh, to find a way. I was, um, I think, coming out of college. Uh, the idea was, I, I think, I did a philosophy and religion class with one of my favorite professors at Colgate, uh, Professor Coleman Brunk. And we had this extraordinary conversation at the time, whether or not our generation was apathetic. And it didn't seem to quite jive with my feeling because I was looking around on campus and these kids were going to soup kitchen, they were working for Habitat for Humanity. So for me, apathy implies that you didn't really care, that you didn't have any kind of substance about anything. And that wasn't coming through. What was very apparent is that kids didn't want to be involved in politics. But they want to be involved in soup kitchen. They want to be involved in in government. They want to do different stuff in the school community, but not in the outside um, political structure. That's right. So there was a very much a disconnect between, you know, doing what was important for other people and what was imperative, which is to be involved in the, in the political system. They weren't doing that. So the question is why, and. That was my marching orders, I think, from, from Colgate. So when I left Colgate, I got drafted by Golden State. And two years later, we started um, Democracy, um, Democracy Matters. And the idea was a simple one, which is, at the time, how do you, why is it that young people are not involved in politics? And the question came up, and I believe that the answer was it had to do with the cost to run for office in this country and the political costs for participation from young people. I mean, young people were coming out of college with lots of loan, lots of money that they owe in student loans. They didn't have money to pay $500 a plate to go to dinner with a politician. So they felt that they were outside of the system looking in. So I thought, I thought that the way you have to change the system is how do you include young people within the political system, and that is to advocate for public finances of election, to consider election a public good, because what was happening is that, you know, people who were in our office stand a 90% chance of winning re-election because they had so much political connection and so much money that they've been raising throughout the year, and people were coming in finding it so difficult to break in because they have to raise so much money to run for office. So, uh, you know, I think... Kids didn't want to participate in a system that they felt was rigged um, politically. Well, so, uh, you know, the the disillusionment that comes from the tone of the discussion and and the the seeming, you know, lack of 
effectiveness of the of the the government you know it just uh, unless you're really in the local government where you can see if a you know they they paid for a bridge to get built or they paid for some specific you know tangible thing i i, I think i think that what you are identifying or what you identified when you started your, your organization about kids wanting to do something that they know they can really have an effect on is uh is exactly my experience as well the you know the moneyed interest and this leads into our topic for the day the, the moneyed interest the uh, and it's shocking to me that the new, you know, the freshman congressmen who get uh, to Washington, the, the first thing they're taught, and this, is, this has been told to me by many congressmen, is you have to be making, you have to be uh, securing donations to, in the amount of, I don't know what the number is, but a, a few thousand dollars a week, you know, or maybe 10,000, whatever, whatever it is, um, or you just won't, or, or you won't be coming back. And so you won't get seniority on any of the uh, committees, you won't. Uh, have any influence with the administration because you won't be there long enough to really know anybody. And so from the time you hit the ground running, the most idealistic people work the hardest to to make you know to to get more money in their coffers so that they they can they can stick around for a long time. So, but the the issue it seems to me is how can you um, well how can you do it? How can you? I mean, uh, obviously. Campaign finance reform, McCain find gold, and and the kind of overall strategy of of making it so that the public airwaves are available to people more than just uh, you know the way the news media runs it and and what you can purchase you know and ad buys with you with commercial time and so forth. But but how is it your experience or do you have any vantage point um, from which to sort of observe that that money actually doesn't just rig the system in terms of how the rules are set up, but even within the rules themselves, that there's just just bald cheating, you know, purging voter rolls or, uh, you know, losing people's ballots or charging people, you know, some sort of a sneaky kind of pull tab. I mean, have you, is it your, have you been able to view any of that kind of chicanery in your time working with this, with your organization? Yeah, I think that you know this is this is one situation. I, I felt that um, when I thought that um, Senator McCain had been his best was the McCain fine goal, which was a serious attempt to really answer the question: How do we protect a democracy from the int- intrusion of money? And you know, from that, they they looked at really soft money in the system. They tried to limit the amount of soft money. The, the, the system could be divided in what they call hard money and soft money. Hard money is the kind of the cap in which, um, you know, how much you're allowed to donate to a presidential or um, a, a, a senatorial campaign in the two cycles. And the soft money was unlimited money that was uh, distributed by um, by each by each political party, so you can give unlimited amount of money to the Republican or to the Democratic Party. And McCain tried to really uh, speak to those issues. They didn't uh, address the issue of hard money in the system. But I think that what has happened is that the Supreme Court, uh, and I think that this is probably one of the worst decisions in the Citizen United decision, which equates um, uh, the Berkeley Valeo decision even earlier from the Supreme Court, which equates money with free speech. Which decision, that first one? What was the one you said? The Berkeley Valeo decision. Yeah. This was, a, this was a very early decision that says money equals speech. Therefore, money and free speech is tied together, which... And then in corporation is personhood. So you've basically right. set it up so the corporations have the right to spend as much money as right. they want. So they started off saying that money equals free speech in the Berkeley Valeo decision and then jump ahead, uh, you know, some 20 years later now they introduced the Citizen United decision. So the money equals free speech was the first ruling by the Supreme Court says money equals free, uh, equals speech. Then they jump and said cooperation should now have personhood in the system. So now what they're doing, in effect, is saying that a cooperation has unlimited opportunity to affect the political system. So let's, if you jump back to the original decision, where well, money equals free speech, uh, I think that that is problematic in a democracy. If you have a democracy in which the majority of the wealth is concentrated in the hands of like probably 2 or 3% of the population, and you then said that money equals free speech. That is a very flawed argument fundamentally for democracy because it is impossible to say that if Oprah and Bill Gates control most of the money and they have the opportunity to determine free speech, then they will be speaking for all of us. So I think that that's problematic, but I'm willing to stand 
and say, okay, money equals free speech. And the question is, is not that Oprah and, and Bill Gates can't spend as much as they like, but how do you enable the rest of the citizens to participate in a democracy? You have to create a space in which their voices could be heard and not just Oprah and Bill Gates. You have to allow for the normal person who doesn't have as much money as them to be able to address our political system. The Supreme Court did not speak to that. And then what they did, they said they pile on and it is a Citizen United decision. Now we're going to allow corporation to spend a limited amount of money in the system to influence our political system. So I think that they doubled down on, on what is a very bad decision in, in a, in a, in a demand like ours, because if money equals free speech, then you're telling me that people with money get to talk more than the normal citizen. If all the money is concentrated in the hands of just a few, then it makes it almost very difficult to have a true democracy. I, I, you know, I've, I try and be, I'm a Democrat, and I'm a, a sort of liberal-leaning Democrat, but I try as a host of this show to be very even and fair, and at least, at the very least, to sort of identify when I think my biases are showing. But there's something that um, Mitt Romney, Governor Romney, uh, said right after the Citizens United speech, when I think he was in Iowa or is, is in those early campaign states uh, in, the, in the, uh, the primary. He said, you know, corporations are made up of people. So it's just amplifying the voice of the people. And it seemed like a pretty specious argument to me because the boardrooms and the decision makers of the corporation are not necessarily speaking to the interests and the, and the opinions and the viewpoints of all of the employees of their corporation, um, you know, except to the extent that the, the employees want to continue their jobs and so they hope that the corporation succeeds. But, but certainly um, the multitude of decisions that get made are, are accounted for in, a, in an election cycle when you choose a candidate, particularly for president of the United States, there's, uh, th there's much, much more... Yeah, there's much more nuance and complexity to it than that, than that viewpoint stands. Absolutely, and I think that what, what is missed with, with, a, with an argument that says, you know, you know basically cooperation of people, too, is that it, 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 uh, it forgets one fundamental point. The corporation is run by a head of the corporation, and therefore the head of the corporation has two opportunities to influence the political system. He can go out and vote his conscience, wherever that is, and vote for a party, and then he can turn around and use his company to then support his ideology, which has nothing to do with the common person within that organization. So it's really disingenuous to say that, you know, cooperation of people, too, because it represents the person who's in charge of the cooperation kind of decides where that cooperation um, tenant is going to lead, Democrat or Republican, and the money of the cooperation then is influenced. So that person has two chances to vote in a democracy where we pride ourselves on one person, one vote. The cooperation doesn't vote by itself. It votes the interests of the person in charge of the cooperation. So I think it's very, it's very disingenuous. And, you know, I would so, say, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go I was ahead. just going to say there, there are two thoughts that flow from the whole conversation that you've framed for us. And one is that, you know, the corporation's mission legally to a legal standard is to return a profit to its shareholders. That is the function of a corporation in the law. And so... You know, corp, you know, stewardship of the resources of the land, protection of the workers' rights, all these things kind of, uh, you know, reflect the, the culture of the leadership and so on and so forth. But when it gets right down to the bedrock fundamental uh, truth of what the allegiance or the loyalty of the corporation to, it's returning profit to the employees. And, and in a capitalistic system, a demo, you know, free market capitalism, that, that's, you know, it's a good thing, but I think it's important for people to acknowledge that it's possible that the interest, the profit interest of the shareholder may not line up with the, what's in the best interest, um, you know, morally, socially, physically, uh, you know, and, and, and in health and a lot of other ways for, you know, f freedom of movement and, and these kind of things of, of the greater citizenry, both of the, 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 the citizen employees of that company or the citizens who are, you know, affected, you know, in some, some way, sometimes adversely by the, by the corporation. So that's, that's what, to me, it's, it's even bigger than just the, the, the president of the corporation or the board members of the corporation can go out and throw their influence around. It's the actual nature of the, the legal instrument itself that is, creates a, 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 the potential and, and the reality of, of conflict of interest. So the other thing is, 
And this, I, I want to get back to this with your with your found with your foundation. By the way, we are we're talking with Admiral Foyle, uh, who is uh, incredibly. I'm going to go and uh, and pause us there. Um, there's another ten minutes of the interview, which I'll, I'll try and play next week. You can see, I mean, just the vocabulary that Admiral uses. When I hear it, it just makes me smile. It just makes me smile because there are ideas that exist in our community as a result of trying to live our lives in a democracy that are hard to express, <clears throat> hard to get your head around. Um, you know, we get so frustrated sometimes when we get into binary thinking. Things are either this or that. That person's either good or they're bad. Um, uh, you know, I you know, a corporation is a is a person. Theoretically, it's not. For him to kind of pull out some of those phrases and use some of those words, just should be to anyone listening to it that isn't uh, well versed in the political milieu. I would think it should make you happy, even if you don't know what some of them mean. I mean, he had me looking, you know, really racking my English and history degree brain, trying to trying to keep up with him a little. But he he's just so smart, and um, that is something to aspire to. Whatever we do in our own lives, our own work, with our own families, with our own civic time, our volunteer time, with whatever we do with our money or anything else, one thing I think we can aspire to on our way to whatever the next vote is, is developing a vocabulary that communicates ideas that reflect reality. And I know I can get better at that every day. I try not to look at my GRE, you know, the graduate record exam that you can take to get into graduate school. I'd really love to go to the Kennedy School of Government and get a like mid-career public policy degree. I would love that. Um, it would be a totally different show if I did that. Boring and smarter. No, no, no. Uh, but, um, but we can all do that. So I would, uh, I would, I would challenge and invite and request that that my the listeners of this show, if you're still hanging around, wake up, wake up. It's time you got <laughs> time to uh, time to go to sleep. Anyhow, I would just request that you you just enjoy increasing your vocabulary. That's like my big takeaway. I, I don't know what we learned with Adnol and myself wandering around about, uh, you know, anything other than people shouldn't use money to stop kids from developing their own voice by using sophisticated marketing techniques and the law shouldn't operate in such a way as to disproportionately advantage a group of uh, wealthy people uh, over non-wealthy people. A friend asked me the other day, why are you a Democrat? And I said, because I like poor people who are willing to work and I think they need a voice. And I think wealthy people need a voice. So we'll find the balance. We'll fight it out next week in the streets. No, we won't. Find a nice peaceful way to talk about it here at Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people with your host, Sean Astin, on the newly located to Hollywood Boulevard, the Toad Hop Network. Thanks, all. We'll see you next week. Radio worth watching. 